Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you've been to Hawaii, then you've certainly heard people say aloha. It's a common greeting, but there's a lot of cultural significance behind the word. The extent of that cultural significance was even recognized by the Hawaii Supreme Court and their affirmation that the unique spirit of aloha gives the state power to restrict how citizens use firearms. Today, we'll get a reminder of just what aloha means to Native Hawaiians and how that could influence official legal guidance. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Federal officials recently denied hydroelectric projects in Black Mesa in northeast Arizona. Tribal officials are praising the federal government's decision. Clark Adamitis has more. Tribal officials and environmental justice groups have been opposing three hydroelectric pumps in the Black Mesa region for over a year, saying the project would deplete already small groundwater reserves. The communities on the high plateau rely on aquifers that are two to 3,000 feet below the ground for drinking water. Today, we don't even see the springs and the seeps anymore on Black Mesa. Nicole Horseherder, executive director of the Navajo nonprofit Tuan Lejean Ane, says that for 50 years, coal mining projects have used billions of gallons of groundwater in Black Mesa. In a place that gets less than eight inches of rainfall a year, we're almost 100% dependent on these groundwater sources. When industry comes in and taps into the same groundwater sources, there's just no way that you're not going to make an impact on municipal and residential water uses. Horse Herder praises the federal agencies for considering the tribal community's position. Federal commissioners also announced a new policy of not allowing projects on tribal lands that don't have tribal support. I'm Clark Adamitis. An Alaska legislator apologized on the House floor last week for comments she made in a Tribal Affairs Committee meeting. Committee members heard testimony from organizations serving Alaska Native people on the disparities in assault rates and violence against Indigenous women, which are several times higher than the general population. At the end of the meeting, Republican Representative Sarah Vance of Homer said she felt the presentation excluded the experiences of white women who are victims of sexual violence. It's the same thing, but what I continue to hear in this committee over and over again is if you're the only one. And I know that's not your heart, but I ask that when you come and present, that you remember that you have white sisters who are going through the same thing, and they don't feel they have justice either. Representative Ashley Carrick from Fairbanks responded to Vance's comments. While the suffering is the same for victims, the causes of that violence are not the same, and the response to that violence is not the same. And the justice for the victims is not the same. And until it's the same, we have got a lot of work to do. Representative Maxine Dybert, who's Quaycon Athabaskan from Fairbanks, said, quote, As the only Alaska Native woman in the legislature, knowing my Native sisters are disproportionately affected by these high rates of violence within Alaska and other states, cuts me to my core, end quote. Vance apologized on the House floor that same day. But to every victim... In every Alaska Native voice, you have been heard, and you will can be, continue to be heard in this body. And I ask you to forgive me for not listening with understanding first. 
Vance sponsored four bills related to human and sex trafficking this legislative session. The Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma is seeking changes to the Major Crimes Act for Cherokee citizens of Freedman descent. The federal law governs criminal jurisdiction of tribal citizens on reservations and requires Indian blood, which the tribe says discriminates against Cherokee citizens of Freedman descent. Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. says they'll seek change through Congress or the high courts. The Cherokee Nation has more than 15,000 enrolled citizens of Freedman descent, which are full Cherokee citizens. Hoskin made the announcement this week during an event in Tulsa. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Hawaii State Supreme Court recently invoked the spirit of aloha in a ruling affirming strict gun control rules. It refers to a law defining a Native Hawaiian philosophy of mutual regard, affection, and warmth for each other. That's a very short paraphrase that barely scratches the surface of how important aloha is to Native Hawaiian life. Today we talk with Native Hawaiians about aloha and how this important philosophy is interpreted, or sometimes misinterpreted, by outsiders in a place that is a popular tourist destination. And we'll discuss aloha in an official legal setting as well. Please join our conversation. Have you ever traveled to Hawaii? Is there a word or concept similar to aloha in your indigenous language or culture? Let us know by calling 1-800-996-2848. We've got the phone lines open right now. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848, or just 1-800-99-NATIVE. Joining us now from Hawaii is Kathy Kayema. She's a professor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, teaching at the Schidler College of Business and the Center for Hawaiian Studies, and she is a Hawaiian national. Good morning, Kathy, and welcome back to Native America Calling. Aloha, my kakong. Mahalo for having me. And for any kanaka out there, this is Manu. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kathy. Also joining us from Hawaii is Keahi Kuroira. He is the host of Equally Sovereign on radio station KKCR, where he is commonly referred to as Dr. Keahi. He is also a Native Hawaiian. Good morning, Keahi, and welcome to our show. Aloha, my kako. Aloha, Sean. Aloha, Manu. Um, 
Mahalo for uh, allowing me to participate. Really excited to have you on the show, Kei. And also joining us from the Big Island in Hawaii is Tom Pohaku Stone. He is one of the founders of Kanalu, a nonprofit that's focused on cultural education. He is Kanakamaoli. Pohaku, welcome to our show, and thank you also for joining us. Hey, aloha Paul. Hey, mahalo for having us. We really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to sharing and talking with everyone. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and get this conversation started. And Kathy, I last visited Hawaii the summer right before the pandemic hit. And I exchanged a fair share of alohas with both uh, local folk as well as tourists. But you know what? I never really, I, I'm unfortunately, I never really put a lot of thought into what the word really means. So I want to ask you, is there an easy way to define aloha to our listeners? Unfortunately, I don't think there's an easy way, uh, but I think you can get an idea of what aloha means. Um, you know, it's it's not just hello, goodbye, and love, but it, it means so much more than that. It's affection. It's having pity. It's showing kindness. It's charity. It's a beloved, you know, when you say aloha to someone, like I say aloha to Pohaku, I haven't seen him in ages. I hope you are well. When I say aloha to Pohaku, that aloha is just full of compassion, affection, uh, a whole history of us knowing each other. It's a great greeting because it is filled with so many other uh, positive characteristics. When I say goodbye to all of you, you know, it's like, oh, you know, farewell, alas, you know, it's a sad parting because of all of this love and affection that we have for each other. The word, you know, alone has been really abused. I mean, especially in the tourist industry, I never say aloha, you know, and, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, for me, that's just offensive. I know some of my Kanakamaole brothers and sisters say that, and I still love them. Um, but, yeah, it is it is a word that has many, many meanings, um, a lot of depth in, in the definition of aloha. So it's not that easy. You know, people want the easy way out. Mm. And if you want to participate in our culture, in our homeland, in our onihanao, then um, you have to take some time to to learn the nuances. That's a really good point, you know, and I think sometimes we forget that, that it's not always easy to embrace other cultures, and, and we definitely have to, to make that effort and kind of uh, humble ourselves and, and become students again. And Kathy, you just described what it means to you when you say aloha to someone, but what about other Hawaiian nationals? Is it possible that for every person that you know, when they use that greeting or they use that term, it means a little bit something different to them? Um, it might, and I'm not so bold as to um, put myself in their shoes, um, so I cannot really say that. Uh, aloha aina, for example, is, uh, I mean, figuratively it's aloha, that love aina for the land, but that actually is a term that we describe Hawaiian nationals, a patriot, someone's love for one's country. So I am an aloha aina. For my country, the kingdom of Hawaii, not for the United States of America. So um, because our history 
was really um, uh, done away with or, or uh, not taught uh, purposefully um, after the illegal occupation of our country um, and was never ever uh, was replaced by learning American um, history. Uh, a lot of people do not know that background. So I'm an aloha aina. I'm a patriot. And I cannot speak for other people when they say aloha, what they mean or what they sense. It just depends upon their own experiences, their own study of olelo, of our language. Um, so I don't know, you could probably ask keahi, um, aloha keahi, um, or pohaku what they thought of okay, let's do that. Yeah, Kayahi, what is what does aloha mean to you when you say it to people? So I I I, I concur with with a lot of what was already said, but I would just add um, just a few things. Um, I, I would put a little more emphasis on the um, that aloha is to accept and allow things to exist, sort of without conditions, and to live one's life responsibly with humility. Um, gratitude and without judgment, um, with with the awareness that existence could not be possible without aloha, because aloha is the very uh, fabric that keeps that keeps uh, the universe together. Because if 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 the universe wasn't accepted unconditionally, then it couldn't exist. It has to exist un without conditions. Exactly how it how it shows up. Um, and just to give an example of aloha, a newborn child would look upon its mother with aloha. And we can also observe aloha from animals, especially pets, which is often reciprocated by humans and parents. Thank you, Keahi. And Pohaku, how about you? Anything to add to, to how you feel and what it means to you to say the word aloha? Well, that was pretty intense from Manu and Keahi. And I, I mean, it's, it is true as individuals that utilize that word, it's not necessarily just a word. It's, it's, the, it's that sense of your spirit that comes together with the individual that you're actually saying aloha to. You know, we don't just, we don't just utter it. We don't just speak it. We actually... We actually share that that spiritual connection that we're, you know, because aloha, it's like a honi, and the honi is is the way we traditionally greet each other, and it's either giving aloha, and even if you're not, we're giving it as individuals, and I think that's what really is, you know, that Manu and Gaudi are touching on is that. It's, it's so deep that people in today's 21st century don't even realize that, they, that it's in them. It's just become jaded uh, over time. And, mm -hmm. and the application of our word, to me, it's insulting, you know, that the way people use it today, um, especially, again, like Manu touched on tourism, it's this love. Hello, uh, but Kiai touched on, you know, the deeper connection. And that's what we're talking about is that people don't even realize that they can make that spiritual, personal connection based on who you really are. 
I mean, you either have it or you don't. And and people who don't, it's okay. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I just look at them and I still share what I have. And I want to, it's the healing. It's For us, it's healing ourselves. Because as Manu touched on, you know, the loss of our country that we still fight for, we were, let's just say, our mo'i, our, you know, she left us with a mandate, and that mandate was we will, we will, we will win the war and the battle by using aloha. And that's where we're at. I, I believe that's what we're talking about, you know. And the, and the world either wakes up or we're going to dominate them by using aloha. We're going to win the war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that approach, Pohaku, for sure. And, well, I was just thinking here, listening to you and the other guests and just uh, hearing the way you describe the culture and, and the language of your people. And um, in some ways, I feel like aloha might be the most commonly used greeting in the world. I mean, it's it's universal almost, and yet so many people don't understand it. That's just profound. And we're going to talk more about that in, in the role of tourism and how that perhaps spread the, the use of the word and just maybe some of the appropriation of the word as well. Uh, good conversation here at Native America Calling. Here, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. President Joe Biden is facing questions about his ability to perform because of his age. Is that a question that Native American elders ever face? Or do they enjoy more respect for wisdom acquired over the years? We'll talk about the Native view of age and presidential politics on the next Native America Calling. Registration is now open for the Alaska Just Transition Summit. This year's gathering will be held March 18th through the 20th in the Akwan Territory, also known as Juneau, Alaska. The Alaska Just Transition Collective is an intersectional cohort of organizations that collaborate for a just and equitable transition away from an extractive economy into one based in care. Information and event registration are available at JustTransitionAK.org, who support this show. You're listening to Native America Calling. You've likely heard the word aloha as a greeting, but it means much more than that, as our guests today are sharing with us. It's a cultural touchstone. Is there a word or a concept like aloha in your Native culture? If so, is it ever misunderstood or does it ever get misused? Join our conversation. Call us at 1-800-996-2848. That number is also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's get another definition of aloha. We po- spoke to Peter Apo. He is a native Hawaiian cultural consultant on Hawaii commerce, and he explains that aloha includes external expressions that have deep internal connections. Aloha means a lot of different things to different people. What it means to me depends on who the aloha is being extended to or who is expecting the aloha. That defines the level to which a person wants to rise or participate, you know, in any kind of a, a celebration of Allah. Physically represents a 
ancient greeting of Aloha, where people would sort of hug each other, touch noses, and breathe. The alo, the presence, the ha, the breath. In that act of exchanging the breath, it creates a really deep sense of responsibility where both parties are taking responsibility for each other's safety. That's how deep aloha can go, you know. You drive around in Hawaii and you want to get into the next lane, you, you need to cross over, Somebody, they'll let you in, as opposed to driving down H5 along California where trying to get into the next lane takes you forever, right? These common kinds of behaviors, opening doors for people, smiling, all these little tiny behaviors that ex express aloha. It's emerged over the years as a Hawaiian cultural concept that functions uh, kind of as a prism, you know, through which pretty much all Hawaiian values flow. Peter Apo is also a former trustee of the Office of Hawaiian Affairs and a legislator. Pohaku, I want to go back to you and talk a little bit more about tourism and just how it has also spread the word aloha around the world. And is it true that, that the sport of surfing also has been a big part in why the word is so common in vocabulary all over the world? Well, to really answer that question, um, it is it is good because, you know, over time within the surfing industry, there's, um, well, how do I put it? Spent 22 years battling the surfing industry because of the fact that the surfing industry actually made me or gave me the avenue I have today to speak out in that, you know, uh, venue. Um, but it's it's taken 22 years um, of talking with them and getting them to understand that they're bastardizing that word for um, financial gains. So there's issues. So when we tie it to surfing and tourism, you know, it's, it's a it's a really hard path that they're walking, but at least they're trying. And today, with uh, you know uh, the DeSoto uh, Ohana that are really close with the WSL, for example, that they they've picking up the banner, and you know Malia, Dwayne, poor DeSoto, uh, you know the whole family taken the opportunity or the that we provided over the years to continue educating that side of the industry to who we really are culturally and how we apply that word, aloha. And it's it's really misused a lot, to be mm -hmm. honest, uh, and uh, or and misunderstand understood. Well Walker, I mean, let me ask. I mean, would you rather people just not use the word then, or, or do you think it's more a matter of them just taking the time to understand and educate themselves? Well, let's just say, I guess I'll put it this way. So I ran into some tourists yesterday here on the Big Island, and they weren't sure what to do, but I took the time to speak with them and to share my aloha for them 
that they were interested in learning about us. And I think we have to do that within the tourism industry that exists here in Hawaii. And trust me, I'm not a, a big fan of it, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, it's us as a Native community um, taking up that arms, let's just say that, that weapon, that's how I always look at aloha. And to be able to educate people on how it's applied and that application as example of me sharing my knowledge of my aina and, you know, explaining to them what's what's a good thing, right? And so it's we fail within our own native communities if we don't we don't share that and that knowledge or understanding of who we are applicable to that word aloha. So I don't know really, what Manu and uh, Cal you have to say, but yeah, Manu, I want to ask you, and let's also talk about this from from a context of, of government because the state of Hawaii has a statute that defines spirit of aloha. And Manu, is there anything wrong by adding? the word spirit to that definition in your, in your view? Um, that's a common um, statement, you know, the aloha spirit. You can go to any convenience store in Waikiki and go to their fake Hawaiian section with the plastic flower lays and you can find a bottle of aloha spirit that you can buy for $5 or whatever. I don't know what's actually in it. Um, and it, it kind of demonstrates an appropriation of an old traditional way of life um, that, you know, that is commodified for those interested, right, in making a buck uh, from just the pure exploitation of the idea of Aloha Spirit. I have no problem with the idea of Aloha Spirit. It's a way, it's in English, when we use the word spirit, it's a way of trying to define that uh, what Pohaku was explaining, that way of living, that generosity, um, um, that type of, of relationship that we have with each other, whether we know each other or not, um, respecting it and recognizing it, you know, walking down the street and just saying, uh, how's it, uh, you know, kind of nodding your head to someone who's a complete stranger, but because they're passing you, you recognize their spirit, you recognize their person, all their ancestors that are walking with them, behind them, that we don't see, and they say aloha back to you. So I do think that the aloha spirit is a way to, to use words to communicate this lifestyle, you know, that is not that common. Um, there are certain areas or land bases that you'll see it exemplified more than others. Some people come here and they hear about the Aloha spirit and then they're very disappointed that they don't think that they experienced it. And I don't mind, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> I love that, that Pohaku, you know, feels that that's sort of a kuleana um, to share our customs with tourists, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm just too tired to do that. I like to share my customs with my mo'opuna, which are my grandchildren, 
and people truly want to learn and and ha- it, they have a uh, they have skin in the game you know I right right so I understand I, but but that being said I am very happy um that you know this judicial application uh of the Aloha spirit because it is in our laws and if you do the research of that law you know um, I think it occurred in 1985 or 1986 you'll see that the person who helped to author it was you know a Maui Kupuna or an elder Auntie Pilahi Paki and in our culture we have deep respect for our elders our Kupuna um, it's interesting you just had a commercial that you're going to talk about Biden and as he gets older, why is he being disrespected? Well, the same as Hawaiian culture, as you get older, you have you are deeply respected, not less respected. Um, so the fa- fact that she has something to do with having that be put in there and that the law be utilized by the Hawaii Supreme Court in order to keep, you know, or try to control um, the proliferate, proliferation of guns being used in Hawaii. I'm, I am very supportive of that. Um, just two days ago, a 17-year-old, a 17-year-old was arrested for shooting and killing a man in Makaha. So, I mean, that's, and that's just a couple days ago. We, yeah, so sorry if I kind of went around that circle, but I hope I answered your question, Sean. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great answer, and because I was I was interested in in wondering if if you felt at all that using aloha in the context of the law, if it in any way diminished its meaning. But it sounds like no. It sounds like you feel it's a, it's a good use of the word. Yeah, I I I don't like you know general appropriation of our culture because we mm-hmm. live it every day. We see it all the time. But in this case, because it is, uh, it comes from a kupuna that I, I really revered, and it comes from a idea, you know, a philosophy that, that we need to continue to live this way. And so in that regard, I know I agree with Pohaku in that, um, yes, you know, um, we do share that. And I think that kind of shares it with the United States of America. And I know that, oh, my gosh, the Supreme Court's going to be up in arms about this. But who cares? You know, this is this is us, and I and I certainly hope it has staying power. I hope we can. I wish we could eradicate all guns uh, in the islands. Um, so that would be my goal. Thank you, Mana, and uh, Keahi, Doctor Keahi. Let's talk a little bit more about this debate with regard to gun control and how. Aloha is being brought into that issue. Do you think it makes sense there as a law to include Aloha in that context? Well, I'm certainly glad that it was brought up. I mean, um, I, 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 I did want to comment, and I think that to bring it up and to even include it in the Constitution is um, I, I, I I see it as sort of a cultural appropriation, and it gives the impression that the state of Hawaii somehow represents uh, our culture as Native Hawaiians, which which it doesn't. You know, it has its own agenda. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I mean, it's sort of like looking at, imagine that Russia would use Ukraine's, um, you know, cultural traditions and their language to sort of 
justify imposing their 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 laws on Ukraine or or Israel on Palestine, for example. So without getting too political on those issues, I just wanted to put that out there to let that be known that it is cultural appropriation when the state uses that. Uh-huh. And um, but the fact that they brought it up, I think, is um, I think it's fair game um, because it is it has been put into the law. And so to bring it up at this stage is relevant. And I think it's notable that um, if you read the the ruling um, that we're talking about on, on gun control, um, it, it, it basically places the state of Hawaii at odds with the with the U.S. federal government. And I mean, they very explicitly say that Aloha clashes with federally mandated lifestyle. And they give an entire history and account of how Hawaii um, was illegally um, invaded by by the United States and occupied and annexed. And it was they're very clear that it was illegal and that, um, in fact, um, the gun controls were put in place a large part to maintain the power. In other words, Hawaii was overthrown using using weapons and guns, but then they passed all these laws to suppress any kind of resistance. So basically, uh, the Hawaii Supreme Court is giving a nod to the federal court saying, hey, in Hawaii, the reason why it's so restrictive is because you guys invaded Hawaii and, um, you know, we're just trying to keep the peace here. So the state needs to maintain its its authority over the people. And if you want, you know, if you want to give people guns to, to, um, you know, protect themselves from the state, then Hawaii is ripe for that. And and I think, (laughs) I think that the, you know, the, the powers that be in Hawaii are getting nervous because, you know, um, the whole rhetoric around, around the right to bear arms is, is to, is to overcome an oppressive government. And, And they make it very clear that, in Hawaii, it is that is the nature of of the situation here is that we are we are an occupied nation and you know gun control uh, the, the lack of gun control or the right to bear arms and and sort of promoting that is opening up a can of worms and I I'm trying to reserve my opinion on having a bias but I do want to like bring the issues up to light. Sure, sure. Yeah, he. We have a lot of native listeners in the state of New Mexico, where I'm from, and and I think they can relate to this conversation with regard to Aloha. Excuse me, to Aloha, because they're one of the pueblos in New Mexico has uh, a symbol, and it's very widely used. It's called the Zia symbol. It's kind of a sun shaped symbol, and you see it everywhere, all over the state. And uh, a number of years ago, the tribe uh, made efforts to copyright it, and they've been very adamant in trying to defend the use of it and limit the use of it to limited success, I think. But uh, with regard to 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 you and our other guests, has there been any have there been any efforts to copyright the word aloha? I'm not sure if there's been efforts to copyright it um, on behalf of the the Hawaiian people, but I, I would say that, um, you know, the, the, there has been Supreme court rulings to sort of, um, give, give latitude to, to tribes. And I'm not going to argue whether or not Hawaii is a tribe or not. Some people think it is, some people think it isn't. I don't think it's been ruled on, but 
But I do think that when the Supreme Court makes certain rulings applying to tribes, they're they're um, implying things that would also apply to Hawaiians. And one ruling in particular that I think would apply to this is the ruling from Santa Clara, Clara Pueblo versus Martinez in 1978, where where the United States ruled the Supreme Court ruled as separate sovereigns pre-existing the Constitution. Tribes have historically been regarded as unconstrained by those constitutional provisions framed specifically as limitations on federal or state authority. Mm-hmm. And so, um, All right. I would say uh, they have, you know, the, the tribes can can have more latitude to sort of assert certain rights like that. All right, Keahi, we're going to have to take a break. I appreciate your knowledge of of Native American law here on the show. That's awesome. Uh, We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Support by Archaeology Southwest. Did you know almost all major archaeological sites in the Southwest have been looted or vandalized? Looting and vandalism impact indigenous people, past, present, and future. Every day, countless Native American cultural items are lost or damaged forever through looting and vandalism. Federal and tribal laws protect archaeological resources. More information about ending archaeological resource crime and how to submit a tip at savehistory.org and on social media at Save History. You're tuned in to Native America Calling. We are talking about aloha today. It's much more than a greeting for Native Hawaiians, and it's also now being tested as a legal concept in relation to the U.S. Constitution. Tell us what you think at 1-800-996-2848. We're going to keep the phone lines open here, folks, so get your calls in, 1-800-996-2848. And one of our guests on the line right now, Keahi, he... uh, is the host of a radio show in Hawaii called Equally Sovereign. And Keahi, I, I, I want to um, help our listeners here on the show today because, um, you know, the, 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 what I'm hearing here from you and the other guests is we have to be really careful, we have to be really mindful of using the word aloha. And um, perhaps if you could offer some guidance, because I'm almost to the point here now, like going forward, I'm almost a little bit worried to use the word. Honestly, I feel like, you know, I don't really know, I don't know your culture quite well enough. And even with this show, I'm certainly becoming educated, but I don't feel I'm quite uneducated enough or confident enough that I should even be using the word. What's your thought on that for other listeners that might be feeling the same way? Uh, I, I encourage use of the word, just like how I, I, I also encourage use of the Hawaiian language because we are informed by our language when we speak our language it actually affects our behavior and it affects it affects the people around us and even if uh we don't even know what we're saying it's like a child that sort of starts babbling and starts speaking the language um that language will start to inform that child's behavior and you know um just to just to mention you know having english being put into our vernacular and having our language banned for for many years definitely affected uh, the way that we think and the way that we do things and sort of uh, turned us into a, sort of a backwards culture from a, from a culture that was, was thriving and innovative and forward thinking. And so we're still trying to recover from that. And I think that um, for, for people that want to promote our language of Olelo Hawaii, um, our native language by using, starting with Aloha and Mahalo, I, I, I'm very grateful for that. 
All right, thank you. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to educate myself and uh, and, and learn as much as I can because I, I sure love visiting Hawaii. I sure love visiting your homeland, and I certainly uh, have a lot of respect and admiration for your culture. And uh, Pohaku, I want to go back to you, and let's talk a little bit more about just the the context of of what it means, you know, to live with aloha. And I'm also interested, Pohaku, if you can give us other any more examples of how you see families in Hawaii, perhaps related families to you or other families, and just how they how they live with aloha and how they express it. Just not necessarily when they talk, but just how they live their lives. Maybe how they when they go to school or they go to work or they go shopping. How do they represent that 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 feeling of aloha? What we're talking about today. How is it manifested in their lives? Well, I mean. Really, Sean, I'd like to touch on a couple of things getting to that point because I'm glad that everybody, Manu and Kelly, have actually addressed the gun control issues that are happening in Hawaii because, number one, I think it's ludicrous to, you know, bring out the constitutional uh, right to bear arms here in Hawaii. Because number one, we're pretty, we're pretty warrior people. So, and you know, having gone to prison for you know gun-related issues, um, you know, if you don't have aloha and you carry a gun, you know, your first reaction is just because you don't know how to communicate here in our islands or. Anywhere, uh, you know, your first reaction is self-protection, pull out a gun. So, you know, we need to address the concept of aloha. And it doesn't mean in our language that application of aloha is not within someone else's language, you know, like in the Navajos or, you know, any, any other native people. If they stop and really think about it, the violence that occurs within, and I'm not sure if I'm getting off in, in a tangent, but you can always stop me, Sean, uh, is that, you know, the issues is within our Native communities, all of us, not just Hawaii, is that our anger usually comes from the fact is based on suppression of our traditions, cultural way of life, let's just say it that way. And so we tend to react like that within our own and outside with people that are part of our Native community rather than addressing it with that concept of aloha and looking at each other and be able to share that that I, I think Manu addressed that is how we, or Kahi, but both of them did, that we might not even know you, but we acknowledge your existence because you're, you're part of our native community and we see you. It's not based on, it's not based on your, your color or anything. It's based on how you exchange spiritually with us and 
we are just faced with a with with a problem not only in Hawaii but within a lot of native communities uh, throughout America and I'm just gonna let let me just state that I'm not mm-hmm. part of America I am right I'm I'm part of America because you know we're under uh, we're under technically martial law but anyway and it's that sense of controlling how we utilize that that word uh, as the state is utilizing it in a good way. I have to agree with Kelly that at least they're trying to find a venue or a way to minimize or exclude that that constitutional right of Americans to carry weapons and and me myself being involved with weapons through a lot of my youth. Um, it's a sharing of a law that they need to understand. Americans need to understand. If you don't have that law within you, you should not be carrying a weapon. Because I believe there was um, an incident on Maui just two days ago where a person followed a stolen car and stopped it, pulled out a gun, and held her a native at bay until police arrived. And while the police were there, he still held his gun pointed at her, which I think is, you know, that shouldn't be happening in a way. And, you know, we have issues with all this gun problems. And, mm-hmm. and being an advocate of uh, your experience of weapons is that we should not be allowing people to just carry weapons because there's going to be more deaths, and most of it is going to be within our community. Natives. Pohaku, a... Uh really appreciate all of your insights all of your thoughts especially with regard to the gun law and uh, and how it relates to our topic today but i also do want to pivot back to this whole issue of trademarking because one of our producers just shared with me some interesting information um the words aloha poki were trademarked by a non-native chicago restaurant chain and apparently these restaurant owners also tried to tell Hawaiian restaurant owners, Hawaiian people, rest who owned restaurants, to stop using the word aloha. But that backfired. It didn't work for him. But, I mean, what's your thought on that? And, and again, going back to this idea of perhaps trademarking the word aloha. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't trademark a language. That's ridiculous. Especially if, if it's going to be in any form of way uh, controlled, it's got to be within the Native community because we have cultural rights to all of it. It's our language. It has nothing to do with anybody else for the exception of, with the exception of commodification, right? Um, and that incident was ridiculous. That was like, and can I just say it, most law, the dumbest thing that that individual could even consider because 
I believe it was Bush Sr. who signed off on the public law regarding uh, dream catchers, and which applies to all native, uh, you know, uh, artifacts, creations, that culturally, that no one except for natives can actually produce, sell that uh, that item, right, of the culture. It's the same with language. You can't just appropriate, you know, a word from our language because it's not your language. It's our language. And everything that I do today, for example, I don't own it. You know, all my all my knowledge and my carvings that I do for, like, Papa Head Nalu surfboards, uh, Papa Head, you know, Holua, I mean, and whatever else I make, it's, I don't own that. I'm, I, my, my kauhale, my, my village, my, my nation, our people own it. I mean, people are always saying I should, like, put in a patent and own the whole law and stuff like that. The only reason I would do that is because of, you know, I don't want it to be appropriated from outsiders, but it, it's up to our native community to take control of this and have ownership of it. Because everything I make is just because that's my part and that sense of, you know, taking something from us and saying you have ownership of it based on U.S. laws is a bunch of crap. It really is. It's, it's you know, and I think Native peoples around America and us, we need to come to a realization that we have to sit down, have, and, well, let me just rein that back a little bit because, you know, it's kind of lights a fire in me, is that we've learned from Native Americans, which I am actually a part of. I am part Native American, is uh, that they have taken control of their culture, but the generations that have come down the line, like, Manu said, our kupuna is they have let go of a lot of that. And it's us, we're not letting go. And we need to maintain that, that ownership of language, our ownership of uh, cultural creations. Uh, if, if we don't, then we're giving it or allowing the black, white, America to take ownership of us. That's, that's not going to happen. Period. All right. Puhaku, thank you for, for again for all these insights. I'm really, really just profoundly moved by our discussion today and listening to you folks and all of your insights. And, and Manu, I, I want to go back to you. We've got about a minute here before we're going to have to wrap up the show. But um, as we mentioned earlier, I mean, just so many people travel to Hawaii as tourists, uh, especially now 
that the pandemic is behind us for the most part and, and people are, are flocking again back to Hawaii. And, and what do you want those folks to know? What do you want to tell them before they get on that airplane and head out there and think about the, the sandy beaches and and the swimming pools and the restaurants and everything else that people so often equate with Hawaii? What do you want them to know, Manu? What do you want to tell them? <laughs> you don't want to ask me that question because <laughs> my answer is don't come. Um, I actually would like to just make a comment. Uh, I, I think Kiahi made me think a little bit about our conversation, so I appreciate that. Um, but when I'm thinking about, you know, our concentration on this idea of the aloha spirit in our laws, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking – you know, I'd, I'd like to, uh, I agree, I'd like to see this application more consistently applied to other cases that come to the court system. Why is it, for example, that we Native Hawaiians, us Kanakamoles, those with blood, not Hawaiian nationals, you can be a Hawaiian national and not have to be Hawaiian blood, um, why are we arrested? Okay, we're arrested at the same rate we represent in the population, but we're incarcerate, incarcerated at twice that amount. So what, where is the judicial application of the aloha spirit there? You know, I, I cannot help but wonder about the institutional racism that plagues our shores and probably yours. And unfortunately, you know, this application of the aloha spirit appears to be a little bit random and convenient right now. And again, mahalo to Kiahi for making me think about the idea of having no guns is historical to keep us in line. Um, and if you are a tourist and you're insisting on coming, please make sure you don't have COVID. COVID is rampant here. They don't want to talk about it anymore because they don't want tourists not to come. They just got over it. I know a bunch of people who are having it. It's just going to be forever because we have 200-something thousand visitors every day. So please don't come when you're sick. That's all I ask. All right. Manu, thank you again for joining us. Pohaku and Kei as well. Uh, enjoyed this conversation very much and uh, hope you folks have a, a great rest of your day. And for our listeners, please tune in to Native America Calling again tomorrow. We'll be having a discussion about another important topic, age and the modern expectations of elders. I hope you'll join us. Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin an advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online masterclass in somatic archaeology uses the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach providing powerful modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is March 1st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. February is American Heart Month. Protect your heart by eating healthy, staying active, and managing stress. Heart disease can run in families, so talk with elders about your family history. For more information, contact your local Indian health care provider, visit healthcare.gov, or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation. 
and native nonprofit media organizations. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.